spend a moment with some remarkable people and discover what the life sounds like, what would you ask? Welcome to Are We On Air, an audio encounter. I'm Armand Nafei, and each episode will feature one conversation with an inspiring friend of mine who will share with us the soundtrack to their life. Today's episode, I have a very special friend of mine, as every week. His name is Justin Strauss. Justin is a, an iconic DJ, a producer, musician, and overall a very sweet, sweet man uh, who I can call a friend. Uh, when I moved to New York and I was looking for great DJs, New York DJs, to book at the Boomer Room, and your name kept coming up and then I started booking you and I think that's how it started and now you're one of my residents for many years at Sunset Beach and obviously Boom Boom Room and other shenanigans. So welcome, <laughs> Justin. Thanks for the years of shenanigans. It's been fun <laughs> and hope we'll continue. Uh, let's hope so, of course. <laughs> Bigger and better. Bigger and better. Uh, it's an absolute honor that uh, to have you here. It's uh, my pleasure. You have... Uh, Lots of amazing stories and history, especially in here in New York City and nightlife and music. Um, and and you're still on it. I mean, it's not like you slowed yeah, down. I, uh, you know, I never stopped. It's something that's in my blood, in my heart, and uh, I'll do it till I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. There's no reason to stop. I'm still excited about music as much as as ever. There's lots of great music out. There's lots of great music in my head from all my years of, you know, DJing and just being in music. So, yeah, I love to share it. So the purpose of this series is to find out uh, from the artists and creatives that I interview who they are, what they're listening to, what drives them. And um, let's start with what is your earliest significant musical memory that shaped you as an artist? Well, for me, there's probably three. The first one was when I was seven years old, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And I knew from that minute that this is what I'd do for the rest of my life or that I wanted to do that. Wow. Nothing else. It just captured me in a way that, you know, nothing else had ever done before. I was glued to the TV and their music, their look. Everything about it just struck a chord in me. And uh, they were my inspiration for everything I've done since. After that, I got into a band called Milk and Cookies, and we recorded an album for Island Records. But I had another life-changing moment was seeing the New York Dolls play. And the New York Dolls made that something like Milk and Cookies seem possible, because here were these guys from New York and they were doing it and right, you know, just made it seem like, well, we could do that too. And we did. And so that was, uh, and I saw them basically ever since the first time I saw them and we went to every show and kind of that whole New York scene happening at that time and down the road with CBGBs and hanging out at Max's when I was very young and just being around all these amazing, talented, creative crazy people. It was, uh, 
so inspiring. And the third thing would be the first time I stepped into the Paradise Garage and heard Larry Levan DJ. Because I was DJing, I had started DJing in 1980 at the Mud Club, just playing my record collection. And it wasn't really till I heard Larry Levan that I realized what being a DJ meant and what you could do with it and how important it was to people. And, you know, I took so much inspiration and became his friend and it was very special. So I feel super lucky for those three moments in time in my life that have shaped me. My parents took me to see the Beatles when I was nine. So I, I, I was fully in it, fully involved in music. And they encouraged me to do what I love, which is a, a big help. <laughs> you know, when you have parents that kind of support it. Yeah, let you kind of follow your dreams is important. Um, do you have a favorite uh, Beatles record? Um. They're all favorites at different times, but I guess Revolver would be, if I had to only pick one, yeah. that would do it. Um, Which track? <laughs> <laughs> um, they're the whole thing. Just, you know, I mean, not Tomorrow Never Knows. I mean, there's Here, There, and Everywhere, Taxman. I mean, it's, it's kind of a perfect record. You just mentioned the Mud Club mm-hmm. and Paradise Garage, and you're one of those rare breeds of DJs. You know, everyone calls themselves a DJ these days, but you've actually been around, and you've done you've done the homework. You've been uh, digging deep for more than 30 years now, and you played at iconic, iconic clubs here in New York. Uh, one of them uh, was the Mud. You also played at Area in the 80s. Yeah, at one time I had residencies at the, well, I was started at the Mud Club, then I went to the Ritz. I was the first DJ there and, and worked there for four or five years while I was doing other things. And that club, although it doesn't get the, the credit yeah. um, some of the others do, it's where Webster Hall eventually ended up. Oh. Every night was an incredible show from... Craftwork to Sugar Hill Gang to Tina Turner, Depeche Mode, Human League, Gang of Four, Pill. I mean, every night was, wow. this went on for years and years and years. So I, you know, and Larry and all these African Bambada, I would invite all my friends to come to see these shows. I invited African Bambada to see Craftwork in 1981. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> He watched it from the DJ booth and as well as like Larry would always want to see Tina Turner or whoever, you know. So it was uh, wow. a great place to be. And at that, also I was, had a residency at Limelight, at Area, at Tunnel, at MK. Um, so, and on and on. And I, yeah, it's just, uh, I've been in, in the right place. place at the right time and made the most of it. Uh, did you ever play with Larry at Paradise? 
No, I mean, la, pa, you know, I mean, other people occasionally played there when things got rough, rough with Larry at the end, and he was late <laughs> or didn't show up. Or Francois may have played a couple of times and here and there, but it was, you know, you went there for Larry. Yes, yeah. you know, yeah. that's it wasn't. It was about that, and so it didn't. I never played there, but I went there basically ever since the first time I walked in, and every Saturday night after. What was he like? He was lovely, you know. If he liked you, <laughs> I mean, I you know, I guess there's many sides to everybody, and uh, we. He took a liking to me. Francois introduced me, brought me up to the booth, and ever since that day, we, you know, I would hang out with him during the day in the club, and he was you know, fixing the sound, adjusting a light, you know, he would play me records. He, he was wonderful. I mean, it was a sad ending as, you know, drugs and things uh, got in the way. But to me, I couldn't say a bad word about him. You know, he always made sure I had my complimentary membership card. Yeah, I, and I, I saw them. You were posting that, and it's pretty yeah. impressive. You're like every year. Like. <laughs> well, I missed the first two. I didn't really know about it till like Fran. I had no idea what I was walking into. Basically, when Francois, when I went there the first time, and it blew my mind. Oh, you know, wide open. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm lucky. It's hard. It's a, an experience that's hard to almost verbalize. Because it, it touched every sense of you from, you know, orally and visually and everything else. And I didn't do any drugs. I don't take drugs. I've never taken drugs. I didn't ever feel like I needed drugs. Mm. I was around some of the most amazing stuff in my life So uh, in, in, in time. So I just, that was enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember something like a particular moment or a song well, being in there? I mean, I remember actually the first time I went, it was actually a garage. So you walked up this ramp and I would just hear this because the sound system, this Richard Long sound system was like mind boggling. So you just heard the woof and then you open, went in the door and this you were just enveloped in this sound. And the first record that I heard there was Martin Circus, Disco Circus, which was an anthem at the garage, but I'd never heard it before in my life. And I was like, Francois, what is this record? And turns out Francois mixed that record. So yeah, that was a that that song always has a special thing in my head. But also the night Larry started premiering the Peach Boys "Don't Make Me Wait," which was his production, his band, um, and it sounded like no other record I've ever heard or anyone ever heard. It was like from another planet, <laughs> and it actually cleared the dance floor. Like 
the first time he played it. No one knew what to make of it, but he just kept playing it, which is one of Larry's things. When he believed in a record, he would play it over and over again till it became the biggest record at the garage. And that record was, you know, groundbreaking for many reasons, including on the B side of the seven inch, he put an acapella on, which was the first time anyone had done that. And so, you know, people would run the acapella over other tracks, in between tracks, sample it, you know, go, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of visionary stuff going on back then. And a lot of firsts, you know, this was, you know, it was the first time of this or the first time that happened. And, you know, New York at that time, you had hip hop being born, you had punk, you had new wave, and you had this kind of alternative disco after you know the studio 54 thing kind of vibe so it was a really exciting time and you know post-punk stuff the liquid liquid uh which all these records larry would play at the garage you would hear liquid liquid you would hear talking heads you would hear the who i mean just a mix of stuff is is you know which is what i still love yourself as a producer have a, quite a resume very impressive resume I mean you played with uh, you work with iconic artists such as Tina Turner Malcolm McLaren and recently with the, the too many DJs um, from Belgium what was it like working with all these like artists or what is it like well with Tina Turner um, it was most you know basically I just remixed her I didn't actually work in the studio mm-hmm. with her although I did two records for her. The first one was called Afterglow and she loved it and sent a note saying that she was really happy with the remix and hired me again to do another one, Steamy Windows. But for the most part, most of the artists, you just got work with their tapes and dealt with the record label. Mm. And every now and then, if somebody liked it, you'd hear about it. And if somebody didn't like it, you'd hear about it too. <laughs> um Like the Fine Young Cannibals, I remix she, she Drives Me Crazy, which was their biggest record. And my remix was like number one billboard all over the place. But they hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, you know, it happens all the time. I mean, you ask any remixer that's remixed a whole lot of records, there's artists that just don't get it. Yeah. And they don't like their, you know, they just weren't into it. But at the end of the day... Um, I'd say most of the time people are pretty happy. And uh, one great story was that I got asked to remix Luther Vandross' Never Too Much in 1989 for a Greatest Hits compilation that was coming out. They wanted to do a remix. So I was in the studio in Right Track Studios in New York, and I didn't know it when I booked the studio, but Luther was working right next door doing like the first Whitney Houston album or something. And um, he heard what we were doing with the remix and he was like, man, 
this sounds incredible. Can I come sing on it? So he, <laughs> I was like, yeah. And so he came in next door and set up his mic and he just like did a whole intro, ad libs, ending. So I got to work with Luther Vandross, which was pretty wow. exciting. your go-to falling in love or heartbreak song? <laughs> well, there's always a bit of both involved. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's so many that I could choose and it's really hard. But there's one like that I always hear was by Dusty Springfield and it's called A Little Lovin', Just A Little Lovin' from her Dusty in Memphis album that uh, kind of sums it up, I would think. Just a little loving Early in the morning That little extra something To kind of see them through Nothing turns the day on Really gets it done Like a little bit of loving From some loving someone Like you And as for a heartbreak, there's a lot of those too, but I, w I would pick um, Smokey Robinson's The Tracks of My Tears because I don't think there's a better lyric about heartbreak written. I mean, he was such a genius lyricist and doesn't get credit maybe, or maybe he does, but it's, uh, it's a great song and yeah, it still can make me cry. People say I'm the life of the party Cause I tell a joke or two What's the sexiest song? The one that came to mind when I was thinking of it is Heaven by the Rolling Stones. When I listen to that record, it's so sensual and so magical. It's like, I wonder how they got that actually on tape. <laughs> it's, it's from a Tattoo You album. It was kind of went unnoticed for years. And I think a few kind of 
Balearic DJs and things started playing it. And when I rediscovered it, I just fell in love with the song, and it's probably my favorite. I mean, I love so many Rolling Stones songs, but that one is uh, very special. This little chat of us up. Uh, your life is a movie. What song plays in the credits to leave your audience with? I would go with Talk Talk's Life's What You Make It. Because, A, I love Talk Talk. <laughs> And Mark Hollis is also one of my favorite musicians, composers, and artists. Um, his solo album is also a masterpiece. Uh, and I just, I love the sentiment of that. I, I really believe that, you know, you make this life what you want. And it's been my sort of motto. I mean, it's easy to get discouraged and it's easy to, especially in the music business, to have a lot of setbacks. But I think that, you know, there's, there's always a way and especially in New York, which is where we are. I think New York is a place for that. I think you can come here and, you know, do things and make things happen. And so I'll close with that song. Justin, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for including me in this series. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. Thank you. episode's playlist, visit areweonair.com, where you'll be able to enjoy the full playlist mentioned in this conversation. <laughs>